This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. So, asking for a friend, just how long will the United States Capitol look like a militarized zone? Amid a pandemic, an impeachment trial, an economic crisis, and the fallout over the January 6th armed attack on the Capitol, Congress is trying to figure out how much enhanced security and in what form is necessary to protect lawmakers, staff, and eventually the public, who at some point will be let back onto the complex. For now, though, the fencing, Jersey barricades, concertina wire, and armed National Guard troops are here to stay. How long will that stay be, though? And how much will it cost? We're going to talk about those and other issues surrounding the fortress that Capitol Hill has become on this episode of Political Theater. We'll start with Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, the District of Columbia's delegate to Congress. Congresswoman, Elner Holmes Norton, thank you for joining us. Talk about a, a really uh, timely uh, and and very important issue about the security around the Capitol in wake of the January 6th attacks. Um, you are not just the uh, district's delegate to Congress, but you are also a Capitol Hill resident. So you're a neighbor of the of the Capitol. Um, we, we've become accustomed, I, I, I too live on Capitol Hill, we've become accustomed to seeing this big fence since the January 6th attacks, and uh, when do you think we're going to see it start to come down, or is it coming down? Look, I'll abide the fences for the time being. We're still getting chatter of people who think they can, can invade the Capitol. Uh, actually, the Capitol could have been much better protected. But with all of the advance notice from everybody, from the president on down, Capitol Police did not a- assemble the forces, uh, more than a do- dozen federal police that could have been there. But for the moment, we've got to have those fences. I am doing everything within my power to keep the Capitol from being fenced in. This is the people's house. Yes, we knew it needed for the time being, but we certainly shouldn't have that fencing as a monument to June to January the sixth, and and one of the issues you know that, that you that kind of comes up with this discussion is the is the response that what did Capitol Police know how did did how could we have gotten more reinforcement there especially our own National Guard you're uh, you're in discussions about some legislation to give the mayor uh, Muriel Bowser more authority to call up the National Guard because right now she has to go through the adjutant general and the pentagon and it's this kind of mess that no other chief executive of a of a jurisdiction like dis- the district of columbia has to go through even the territories have control over the national guard uh, we don't even need statehood for that and we're doing very well on statehood we've got enough co-sponsors as i speak to pass the bill uh, this year as we passed it in june mm-hmm. but this can be done through simple legislation i have introduced such legislation before, now that we have control of the House, Senate, and the presidency, and after June, June, January the 6th, uh, I do think I'll finally be able to get the district to have control over its own National Guard. 
Have uh, what what sort of signals have you gotten from um, from the from the White House and the mayor's office? Are they talking also about this? Is the mayor making a, a big push uh, for for this to happen as well as your office? Oh, the mayor's making a very very big push. It's it's her city, and indeed, for me to get to the inauguration, the mayor had to send police to help me get to the Capitol. That's just how hard it was, even for a member of Congress, to get to the Capitol. But the mayor understands what these fences need for a tourist mecca. People don't come to see fences. They come to see their capital, their monument. What would you think of uh, a country that to protect, for example, the monument, put a fence around it? There is state-of-the-art electronics and surveillance that, for example, Democrats have called to be used at the border, if we can use that kind of electronic state-of-the-art at the border, surely we can do use it to protect our own United States Capitol. You're, we're going through a bunch of different security reviews. Uh, there, there's one that the speaker has asked a, a retired uh, Lieutenant General Rus- Russell Honore to conduct. There are, um, you know, there's an Inspector General, Capitol Police Inspector General report. There's a GAO report. Um, do you think, though, that how soon do you think that we'll see some sort of of movement on getting um, a, a more sort of more security funding for the campus because it, I mean, we're a ways off from uh, you know the, the the regular appropriations process and it seems like this is a priority thing. When when do you think we'll see uh, like sort of a supplemental you know for to make sure that we have these kind of security measures you're talking about in place? No need for a supplemental. We already have. If you go out on the streets today around Capitol Hill and I I live nine blocks from the Capitol, like I said. Uh, you you still see the police around it, and they're probably going to be here at least until March, at least until after the um, proceedings against the president, which are ongoing as I speak. You're going to see the police, and I'm not objecting to that. Mm-hmm. I'm objecting to what the new head of the Capitol Police suggested yesterday, and that was that the fencing remained permanent. That's what I'll I'll do all within my power to keep from happening. And and more than also just a symbol of what it says to fence off the Capitol, um, it's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with that. <laughs> it's it's really ugly, and I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I go for a lot of bike rides around the Capitol uh, grounds, and uh, it's a there is a it, it's kind of chilling. Uh, just from a you know a security perspective, but also an aesthetics, just to, to have this horrible fencing ru- running around the place. Uh, have you gotten a lot of complaints from your constituents or your neighbors, uh, as you as it were? I certainly had so much so that on my own, I decided to have what we call an, an ANC meeting, a, a meeting of my neighbors on this issue next week. They were very good. They have been very good to the National Guard. They took them food, they they don't object to their being there in, in case of an emergency. But they are obviously going to object to making our city, uh, our neighborhood a war zone. That's not necessary. Not when there are all kinds of electronic surveillance that can be used or what we did not even use on January 6th, which were the police which could have stopped most of what happened. Still, they were sure with the president egging them on, there would be people would have been people coming to the Capitol. But they have, despite all the notice that they were coming weeks in advance, were totally unprepared. 
And we need a hearing on that. And you will see a hearing on that, uh, hearings on that in the Capitol. Do you think um, we're going to see a lot of, of uh, you know, new people, new faces in Capitol Police? I mean, we have this, uh, you know, the acting police chief, uh, uh, Chief Pitt- Pittman. I mean, she's, you know, she's made a lot of these statements about like, you know, potentially having a new fence. Are we going to see, you know, what do you think the odds are that she'll be um, sticking around as, the, as a, as a uh, more than acting police chief? Or, or is this the time to kind of clean house? Uh, That's when it the comes word to the- for it, clean house. Uh, we've already had to clean house of the of the of the um of the people who were um why, why is this slipping yeah. my mind uh, sergeant at arms and police arms board of, of yeah. sergeant at arms yeah. it it seems to me that all of them were responsible and it doesn't it doesn't look like any of them got got together and said look capital police we think you should do this or that and, and i still can't imagine why I, i'm not sure why and that's why the hearings are going to be important. So your legislation on um, on giving the, the mayor more authority, um, when when do you think that we'll see some movement on that, hearings and, and potentially movement to the floor? Shortly. Uh, a date hasn't been set yet because everybody's fo- focusing on the pandemic. And we get that out of the way, get the impeachment out of the way. Uh, I think this is going to be one, of, of course, certainly I'm pushing for this and I'm a senior member of the oversight committee which would have jurisdiction i'm pushing for this to be uh uh to be enacted early um and again with this pressing evidence on us uh, i would think i'd I'd have some luck this time and you mentioned that you know it it is going to be tense for for the foreseeable future the impeachment trial is going to start on february 9th of the of the president um, how, how long do you think, are you getting a sense for how long you think that that trial is going to last? It's been tough to get details. Oh, no, they, they, they're, they're, they're going to make it, uh, they're trying not to make it very long. They haven't said, uh, how long, but they understand that with all the pressing business. And they also understand that the, um, that the possibility of a conviction, uh, is remote. So they've got to make their case very, very uh, strongly, uh, understanding that that's what the record is going to show. Well, Congressman Norton, thank you so much for for walking us through your legislation and proposals, and uh, you know, and not just again as a as a delegate and a politician, but as a neighbor. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for talking to us. Good to talk with you. Now we're going to talk with staff writer Catherine Tully McManus, someone who is as well versed in legislative branch operations and funding as anyone covering Congress. Catherine Tully McManus, you have been uh, very busy uh, covering the aftermath of the January 6th attacks uh, about the enhanced security perimeter on the effect on the staff uh, and how to get them help uh, for for dealing with some of the psychological wounds uh, inflicted on that day. Uh, And also you had the uh, somber uh, assignment today to attend the memorial service for Officer Brian Sicknick, who was killed from... Uh, uh, wounds he sustained during the the insurrection on January sixth, um, and one of the, you have a, a great story up on that, but you also have some more detail after talking to some police officers about their frustrations uh, and, and with the security perimeter. Like, talk about that. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it came to my attention. I'll say two uh, people brought to my attention that 
former Capitol Police officers, I don't know whether they had a relationship with um, the late Brian Signick or not, but they aired to me that as former Capitol Police, they don't have the jurisdiction or authority to be inside that perimeter. And therefore, they were unable to pay their respects last night or this morning um, to a fallen officer of a force that they served on. Um, hundreds and hundreds of Capitol Police officers did come through the rotunda last night and overnight and into this morning, uh, lawmakers and invited guests today. Uh, but the public was kept away from this, um, which was drastically different from the public outpouring that came in 1998 when uh, officers Gibson and Chestnut uh, were laid in honor to Capitol Police officers who also died in the line of duty. Um, and the public really did come out for them. Yes, and and I, I should say that you know ju- there just aren't that many people who lay in honor or or lay in state uh, in in the Capitol Rotunda for memorial service. Uh, Sicknick is is you know is it was it's it is he joins a very small group of people afforded that honor, and uh, as as you stated, the the public is not has no access to the Capitol right now. That means no tourists. That means no members of the public. That means no lobbyists. It's basically staff members and and people like yourself, journalists, uh, and so it's you know it, it really is clamped down. Uh, in in a way that I've never seen, and and it's I mean one of the things that we were talking about with Eleanor Holmes Norton uh, is that she had to get help getting in <laughs> to the to the perimeter. She's a member of Congress and a longtime Capitol Hill resident, and it it talk about some of the you know the ways that this has just affected people's daily lives uh, in in the Capitol because it's not just a matter of I mean it was already a hassle getting in because <laughs> you have to go through mag you know magnetometers and so forth what. What is some of your, you know, what's some, been some of the effect on people that we know, like the the, the thirty thousand odd staffers who make the place work? Absolutely. Um, one thing that I do want to kind of clarify is that some people I've talked to have said, well, with COVID and people working from home, like, wasn't there not already lobbyists and not that many outside people coming in? And that is true. But there is a big difference between um, having to be met outside an office building and and brought inside by a staffer uh, as an invited, you know, person with a business meeting. That's very different than having to show an official hard pass with your face on it in order to enter a checkpoint blocks away from the office buildings. Um, and that is the current situation right now. Um, what it has changed is who can come and go of course but also the city's relationship with that space which in addition to being you know the seat of the legislative branch it's also a huge beautiful open space um that is impeccably maintained by an expert group of uh professionals uh landscape arborists etc um and functionally I know that you've talked to Elmore Holmes Norton. The DC government has not been able to submit their proposals to Congress, which is required by law uh, that they do that in person, right? And to 
be stopped at a checkpoint because you do not work for the United States Congress when trying to deliver something to the United States Congress is pretty wild. It it is kind of nutty, uh, you know, that the, they have to get these physical documents from the D.C. government in, in order to sign off of them because the of this cr- crazy relationship that the district has with Congress, that Congress has to sign off on laws. And the fact that they can't get them to them, it's just, I mean, I, I don't, as a former, uh, well, actually, I'm a current uh, literature major. I guess you always have that major. Uh, I don't like to throw around the word Kafka-esque, but uh, it may it may fit uh, in in this in this situation, um, you you uh, you recently, I mean, you you've done a lot of reporting on the effect of uh, on the staff uh, and, and so forth. And you you spoke with uh, Rosa DeLauro, the the Connecticut Democrat, who's the chairwoman of the House Appropriations Committee, recently um, about what would be needed, what what's needed from a funding standpoint. Uh, for you know, for for some of the you know, like what what we now know are, is needed. We need some sort of enhanced security, but we also just need to change some things around uh, the way that people get mental health care, the way that they get. Uh, you know, you, right now you're you're wearing a K95 mask, which is now required for anybody who's in the building. Um, what? Let's talk a little bit about your conversation with uh with Congresswoman Deloro and and set up about like what how she is approaching some of these issues because she's new to her position as as chairwoman. As the appropriations chairwoman, I of course asked her about a proposal that we know is in the works, but we do not have details yet about, which is a supplemental funding bill to pump more money into the legislative branch for security. We don't know what else might be contained in that, but we know there have been requests for more money from both the Sergeant Arms and Capitol Police, and those are being reviewed right now. When I asked Delora about what is needed on Capitol Hill to both heal from this and to prevent anything like it from happening again, she really was pointing to the investigations that need to happen. I think we have to. Uh, investigate what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we need to be gathering uh, m- m- more information and material. I thought yesterday was stunning. And what we did find out yesterday was that there was information there, there was intelligence there, and that that was ignored. You know, and I think it was one of my Republican colleagues who said just that and then asked the question, which I think we need to ask is who made the decision? not to deploy um, the National Guard building, who made the decision uh, not to provide uh, the police with the riot equipment that they need because the evidence was overwhelming uh, that this was uh, to be an attack, uh, uh, not just on the Capitol, but on the, uh, on, 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 on the members. And additionally, what has the response to the resources provided to staff, lawmakers, and others on Capitol Hill, custodial staff, and contractors in terms of mental health, what they have done this week is they have actually brought in the VA, which of course is one of the top research institutions on trauma, specifically from war, but Trauma care is largely applicable in many situations. Um, The VA is known for doing incredible research and incredible work with people who are 
have experienced trauma, the idea that they felt the need was so great to reach out to another branch of the government, the executive branch and the, the VA itself, I think is a big signal to lawmakers, the scale of the hurt that is happening up here and the risk uh, of not just simple things like, oh, like people might go be lobbyists instead of work on the Hill, but a trust and fear element um, that they feel they need to adjust and make sure that that is maintained. Deloro emphasized that the investigations into both what went wrong and how is the help helping or is it not or what more is needed um, is what is going to drive the spending decisions. What I'm trying to do is, you know, they've established some procedures. I don't want to say, you know, that folks who are doing this are not competent. You know, I have every reason to believe they are very, very competent. I just wanted to add another source. And that, of course, is what appropriators always like to say. They, they want to have all the information before they spend the big bucks. Um, but this is a path forward that she is hoping to have evidence-based information before she doles out those dollars. It is important to note the Capitol Police has gotten often double-digit percentage increases for decades uh, with no, no flat funding for Capitol Police in decades. Um, and so the request for additional funding is definitely being scrutinized because there are feelings that it was not necessarily a lack of resources, but a mismanagement of how those were deployed. And and I feel like the one just the fact that we're talking about an increase over, across the board for the legislative branch, you know, this is coming after a decade plus of Congress really getting into the act of self-flagellation where they're like, we're going to cut our own pay or we're going to leave it flat or we're going to make sure that we don't have any more money. I mean, it's just this, it's been this thing that they like to trot out to show how, you know, how virtuous they are. It's virtue signaling that they cut, you know, cut things and cut resources. And obviously when you, (laughs) when you're dealing with like a security threat and a pandemic threat and the after effects of an attack and so forth, it's not a, a, a time when you can be cutting a lot of, of money. There's just not that much to cut anymore. Yeah, I think there's two interesting uh, pieces of that. One, we can look at, it was less, I think it was less than 48 hours after the um, the baseball shooting in 2017 where members of congress were physically harmed and very seriously uh steve scalise came close to not surviving he thankfully is well and back in in congress um less than 48 hours after that there were already talks about member security what that should look like on the virtue signaling side of things i think it is a really hard thing to look at from a political calculus of telling your constituents that you need more money for you and your staff. Uh, members, of course, haven't had a raise in more than a decade, uh, once again. Um, but what I think is something that the modernization of Congress Select Committee looked at and all, many other stakeholders are really invested in 
is how hard would it be to communicate to constituents? I didn't raise my own salary. I just hired more people to respond to your phone calls, to respond to your letters, to help your grandmother get her VA benefits, to help do all those constituent service things that congressional offices do. That is where some of this money is pumped into. Um, And of course, security is a main concern right now, but investment in the legislative branch itself I do see a future in which it can be sold differently for political reasons. We've already seen Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House touting the living wage that she pays people in her office. And she's really candid about having fewer staffers than other members of Congress because she pays them more. Um, Whereas other members have many vastly underpaid staffers. Um, And those are the kinds of conversations I think we'll see moving forward in addition to security, safety, and all that comes with that. Well, Catherine, thank you very much for the reporting you're doing uh, and for for talking about this. Uh, Hopefully we will see more than just uh, a fence uh, (laughs) sticking around uh, as these discussions go forward. Uh, Thanks again. Absolutely. Great to be here. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater. Thank you for listening.